Welcome to the Avowed Podcast. I'm Jasmine Lilly. Today I am joined by Marielle Ivy, the metalsmithing magician behind Young in the Mountains, where she creates inspired fine inlay jewelry. Full disclosure, you're probably going to notice me fangirling. I've been following Marielle's work for quite some time, and her latest collection in stacked engagement rings has had me swooning like a starstruck teen girl at a Taylor Swift concert. After a failed attempt to meet up during my visit to California in January, we have finally managed to connect, and I'm so thrilled that we did. Sometimes I have the immense pleasure of falling into the comfortable conversation of old friends with what are essentially strangers. It's like catching a piece of magic, and it makes all of the hours of editing and promoting melt away. I was excited to speak with Marielle because A, she's a total badass lady entrepreneur, and B, her work effortlessly merges gold, silver, diamonds, and inlaid hand-cut stones for a union I believe reflects the nuanced modern woman. We are not always earthy or glamorous, but more often a complex mixture. I loved listening to Marielle describe how she considers real living when designing engagement rings. And I loved the idea of the set because... That diamond solitaire, nothing will ever happen to that. It's just metal and a diamond. And the inlay you can wear when you're feeling creative or you really want to make the statement. Or you can leave both of those at home and just wear the little diamond band when you're like backpacking or when you're like traveling internationally and you don't want to, you know, have this blingy diamond on your hand. It's like a choose your own adventure. She unveiled to me how connecting with clients has injected some necessary soul into her metal work. When people email me and they're inquiring about engagement, um, I always ask, like, who, you know, who is it for? Who's this? Who's going to be wearing this? And people will write the most beautiful stories to me. Even on my website, when you order a ring, I say, tell me about who's going to wear this. Because for a while, it was feeling so much like um, just one more thing I had to do, you know, in work. A lot of times you're like, oh, you know, oh, it's one more order, one more thing. It just adds to my production list. And, and it's very much separated from like the human and the, you know, the love behind it. So I started asking people, tell me about who's going to wear this. And people have written me poems. They'll write me whole paragraphs about like the, the uh, person's favorite color, their animal, like, like what they're so good at. And, and it just is like this moment where I have to slow down and be like, whoa, like I'm part of their relationship now. Like I know about them. Intimate things. And despite my generally lukewarm feelings about diamonds, she made a pretty compelling argument for the everlasting sparklers. Well, you just need to spend some more time. You need to just spend some more time gazing into them because I will tell you, I have had a complete change of heart in the last like, probably year and a half (laughs) I used to be like didn't care about diamonds could give like a shit like what they cost what their story was um but in like educating myself and getting ready for engagement work and just being around them they are pretty hypnotizing all that and more on today's episode of avowed pretty recently from a trip down in the desert right yeah it was pretty amazing so I'm I was at Ghost Ranch which is a retreat center near Abiquiu New Mexico which is about an hour north of Santa Fe and it's where I learned how to do lapidary which is the specialty that that I use in my jewelry design where I'm cutting and inlaying stones 
Um, and I learned lapidary at Ghost Ranch a few years ago and quickly was really, really good at it. So that got me in, you know, in with the teacher, in with the program through like kind of a sad series of events. The teacher ended up passing away. And this year, the class that was the advanced students who had been meeting for a, almost like eight years during the winter, they needed a, you know, a new leader. So I was sort of co-facilitating wow. with another woman. Teaching wasn't really the right word because everyone's already advanced. And the idea of the class is that it's um, kind of unscripted, just open studio. And we're there for two weeks and it's all women only. Wow. There's 12 desks in the room. So people like are learning from each other. There's a little bit of, you know, pro like problem solving as a group. But really, I was just facilitating. And it was it's always the most incredible um, two weeks of my whole year. That sounds so magical. It really is. It's like you're in the high desert. There's nobody else at this retreat center because it's February in the desert. So it could be three feet of snow or it could be like 70 degrees. It doesn't you know, it's hard to, it's hard to plan. Yeah, for sure. And it's just a dream. Like you wake up on top of where the housing is, is up on this mesa and you have to go probably two thirds or let's say like a third of a mile to walk through the desert to get to the art studio wow. at eight o'clock in the morning. And it's just such a dream. Oh, my half of my family lives in Taos, New Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. So I can conjure the space that you're talking about pretty easily. And yeah, I actually did some lapidary. I went to school for metalsmithing. That's what I got my degree in. Oh, is that in Bozeman? Yeah, there's a metalsmithing program here. And you know, what's crazy. I'm just remembering the people who I learned about Ghost Ranch from were the metal teachers at Bozeman. That's wild. What is it a guy and his wife or is it um so I graduated in 2013 okay I went to school for like six years because I double majored in ceramics and metalsmithing and they wouldn't let me double major so I basically had to complete a ceramics degree and then do metalsmithing yeah it oh, was wow. super frustrating and probably not the wisest choice on my part but mm. I'm such a creative hummingbird that I fell in love with metalsmithing after I'd pretty much finished the ceramics degree and I was just yeah, like, screw it. you got it. the bug. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved, <laughs> I loved metalsmithing. So the guy who is head of the department now is named um, Brian Peterson. Huh. Yeah. I saw, I wonder if it's the same, because it, it was just this, this is one of the craziest stories when people ask me, like, how, how I got to where I am now, or how did I learn how to cut a rock in half? Because it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Was, I was living in Boulder, and I was waiting tables, because I hadn't, I didn't know anybody when my boyfriend and I lived there for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a double shift because I wanted to buy a Fordham, um, like the like the flex shaft, like yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Totally. But for other people, just like the basically like a jeweler's um, Dremel tool. And I was waiting tables, and I had taken this double, and I was like, okay, there's the money for my Fordham. And while I was waiting tables, this couple was they said the word Fordham, and I overheard them. And I was thinking, okay, so they're either dentists or they're jewelers. And at the end of the end of the um, their meal, I went up to them and I said, okay, you know, what are you? Are you dentists or are you jewelers? Because I know I heard you talking, and they told me that they were the um, he was the teacher at Bozeman. It was so funny because I was like, well, I'm from Missoula, another small world, and yeah. they told me to check out Ghost Ranch, and I did, and I was and I went like three months later, and then that was the beginning of the whole kind of leap forward with Young in the Mountains into inlay jewelry. Wow, that's wild. I don't remember what his name is, but I remember his wife was also a teacher at the same school. How old did they seem? Young, maybe 40s. Yeah, that's definitely Brian. That was my professor. Wow. Yeah, I crazy. What? Yeah. I love these connections. It was like we had the Montana thing. I don't know why they were in Boulder. Um, but yeah, they were. I remember making a note on my like little waitress pad that was like, Ghost Ranch. Wow. And then I um, I got a scholarship to go, and then it basically from that class got an even bigger scholarship based on my skill, and then that's how I got in the women's only like advanced class, and it really changed my life. Man, that's so crazy. I really enjoyed doing lapidary. I didn't get too far into it. I'm pretty sure that the machine that we had was something that Brian had like kind of um, MacGyvered himself because a lot of the equipment around the studio is stuff that he kind of created out of odds and ends. But I mean, I feel like my stuff was 
pretty clunky with when I was doing lapidary just because I was a little bit timid about it and I didn't um I didn't have as delicate of a touch as you have obviously honed oh thanks I had a little um because I was working with wood to begin with the jewelry was very similar it was all silver Mm -hmm. but I was doing inlay with um ebony oh yeah and also um like rosewood and purple heart and all these other um exotic hardwoods that instrument makers use and so I was already cutting and then like inlaying silver between it it was just a different tool it was like going from the jeweler saw to this like you know pretty crazy machinery with like the diamond um, blades yeah no it's interesting I've always I've always been a creative hummingbird and never felt particularly at home in any one medium oh I I feel you. Yeah, yeah. You do ceramics too, and your ceramic work is so beautiful. And and before that, I did bags and fashion, but Whoa. Instagram Instagram wasn't around then, so nobody knows. But I mean, like my portfolio goes deep. <laughs> it's been lost to the gauntlet of time. I've been selling things since I was like 15, and it started out with more textiles. I was really into fabric and sewing. Yeah. So right before I got into clay, it had been bags for years. So you recently moved into doing these engagement ring sets, and I love them because I feel like they marry these two really unique aesthetics, and I love yeah. the stacking of them. I mean, I'm, I always gravitate towards really unique engagement jewelry. I'm not big into the like huge diamond sparkler kind of stuff, and I feel like you yeah. have created such a unique balance and aesthetic and style that I've never seen anywhere else and I love it hell yeah thank you I love that that's exactly what I want everyone to think and say because it's it's hard it's like okay so you're you know the diamond ring Mm -hmm. that's traditional and and it's nice to be part of tradition like in certain ways like it's cool that people have been handing each other rings for centuries I think that's really neat, but it's weird for me to think about wearing the exact same ring every day for the rest of your life as you as a person change daily. Absolutely. And and I um, the reason that those sets came about is because um, inlay jewelry is something that you do have to treat a little bit kinder and a little bit more differently than anything else you might wear because the stones, as hard as they are, you know, being rocks – they're still fragile and they can still, um, things can still happen to them. So the idea for me was separating the inlay from the diamond so that you can wear it forever and not have to worry about them. Like if the diamond and the inlay were in the same ring and something happened to the inlay, you would have to send back your entire ring and be without it. Yeah. And I loved the idea of the set because that diamond solitaire, nothing will ever happen to that. It's just metal and a diamond. And the inlay you can wear when you're feeling creative or you really want to make the statement. Yeah. Or you can leave both of those at home and just wear the little diamond band when you're like backpacking or when you're like traveling internationally and you don't want to, you know, have this blingy diamond on your hand. It's like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, I love that. The set together is awesome. And I would love to go like out to dinner and you have the whole set, it's like a big statement on your hand, like a cocktail kind of cocktail ring, but you could go completely pared down the other way also when it's, you know, when you're, who knows, like hiking some Appalachian Trail maybe. (laughs) I love your avatar client. She sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's important to think about. Like these are the people I'm designing for. Yeah, it is. You know, I can fit you in even if you're not that person. But And that's what's been hard about the engagement is like trying to, I keep saying, choose a ring based on your lifestyle. There's all these questions that are involved with like the height of the, the ring, you know? like Yeah, I have a friend who has a diamond engagement ring. It has like a really high setting and she can't yeah. wear it a lot of the time because it catches on everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, try and put your hand in your pocket with something like that just doesn't. Like, that's what I tell people, too. And a lot of times I'm working with the husband or, sorry, or the husband-to-be or the, you know, whoever's gifting the ring. Yeah. I have to think. I'm like, okay, I always ask, what is their job? Like, do they wear gloves daily? Like, do they garden? Are they a nurse? I love that. Because I feel like um, you might be pretty unique in asking those questions. I can't imagine that a lot of people who are making wedding rings are 
being so aware of lifestyle and how these things integrate into our daily lives because you know the norm for such mm-hmm. a long time has been this gargantuan sparkler yeah the cathedral setting that's what they call that oh it's the worst <laughs> i think no, so too. thank you <laughs> um, um and that's one of the things i like about metalsmithing and i'm wondering about you too is like the utility of jewelry the utility of creating something in 3d means that you get to see it from all sides you get to touch it you get to wear it and that's my favorite part about art because I, I had done some illustration and like 2D painting and whatnot in the past, but for me, it just seemed too plain. Like, okay, you put it on the wall and then you only ever see it. You never yeah. smell it, touch it, you yeah. know? Yeah, for me, it's sort of like there's more of a separation there. There's less um, soulful interaction with a piece of art that hangs on your wall. And, you know, I definitely have some favorite paintings and pieces that I've oh, collected yeah. over the years, but specifically with metalsmithing, what really drew me to it was this idea of talismans becoming these markers in our memory and really like becoming an icon of a moment and a feeling and something that we can kind of put a lot of actual energy into. And I'm, I'm big into talismans. I mean, for my thesis, I built this cabinet um, which was basically like a Day of the Dead shrine to my childhood, Ooh. and yeah, it was a, it was really fun, very colorful, and so it was like I painted all up in there, and I also did ceramics and metalsmithing, and um, I had like a ceramic unicorn head coming out of the heart <laughs> of the central figure. That's awesome. And I had um, I had a charm bracelet, and I had made all of the charms based on like moments in my life, and then I had yeah, it's storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And I had a rosary and I'm not I'm not Catholic or anything, but yeah. it was like it was sort of my version of a rosary and it had like an enamel buttercup instead of That a, sounds so cool. Instead of a cross and Do you should show me the photos of that. I will. Yeah, I'll put them uh, I do a blog post for all of these, so I'll put them up on yeah, the blog. Yeah, put too. that up. Cuz that is so neat. Is like you can take you can take things from other traditions like your rosary. Like you made it your own. I mean, like the the actions are there. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I, I think that's so neat. Like, I'm, I'm not super, I'm not really religious at all, but I always loved the idea of, a, um, oh, they call it like a sacrament. You know, it's like the, mm-hmm. the physical representation of an emotional idea. Yeah. And that's what rings are. And same with like communion crackers and all that other stuff that for me doesn't yeah. really resonate. But I love the idea of that, like, that's what the rings are. It's this yeah. physical thing that gets to explain this really abstract idea in your head. Yeah, and I think for as long as human beings have been on this earth, we've been trying to find objects and empower them so that they can in turn empower us. Oh yeah, body modification. I mean, that's what jewel- yeah. jewelry is right in there. Um, I'm I'm tattooed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Sometimes I wish people asked me more about my jewelry than my tattoos because it's like it's so permanent. Mm that you don't want to talk I never want to talk about my tattoos usually when yeah. people come up to me but true, I would rarely. love to tell people about what the jewelry means and then not just from a sales pitch of like wanting to talk about it but yeah it's interesting a lot of people don't ask what what jewelry means yeah and a lot of the time it does have some oh, deeper yeah. emotional connotation I the so I have a ring of yours Oh, I got it from Mariah um, at Everything Golden. It's the Montana Agate Himiwari ring. Oh, awesome. Well, that's like a so one of a kind one. I know. It's my like, I'm not I'm not just saying this to stroke your ego. Like it is my (laughs) prime possession. Like I You should post a picture of that, too, because I I it's so fun to see jewelry from the past because I have made hundreds of thousands of pieces of jewelry, I bet. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that Himawari, those, that's a, you know, those were, those are all handmade and it's like, they're all different. I know. I know. And that's what I love about your work is that there's consistency in the aesthetic and the styling, but you can tell that there's like, there's. That I'm not a robot. Human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's human touch. I always have to point stuff like that out too. And I'm like, see how this one's crooked? That's how you know mm-hmm. that a robot didn't make it. <laughs> But I love that. And some people <laughs> don't, right? Like some people want the robot and I have no interest in that. Um, but I love, yeah, I love how organic and human it feels. I actually, I volunteer for this program here called Big Sky Youth Empowerment. And there's all of, I have this group of all girls. They're like 17 years old. And they're most incredible 
young ladies ever. And I remember one day, like, I can't remember how it came up, but somebody was asking, like, if your house was burning to the ground, like, what is the one thing that you would grab? And I was like, Ooh, the <laughs> ring that's on my finger. And it was Are your you ring. Serious? Yeah. Oh. I mean, aside oh. from my dog, I was like, obviously, I grab my yeah. dog. And then I would make sure I had this ring. And wow, that's such a huge compliment. But yeah, it'd be on your hand. So you'd be fine. Yeah, always. exactly. <laughs> but it's, um, it's like a power talisman for me. Like if yeah. I'm going into a meeting, and I'm really nervous about making a good impression or something like that. Like, I feel like every time I wear it, I put that energy into it so that yeah. when I'm in that situation, it's like ready for me. It's like a reservoir. Oh, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And women, I've been thinking about this a lot recently is like how much women speak with their hands. Like, oh, yeah. It, your, my hands are always in front of my face. They're always like, you know, making some big gesture yeah. and and having jewelry on your hands is like basically like shoving kind of your art in people's face like this is the style I like these are my colors this is my um you know I love stacking because you get to you get to use all these um you know different textures and colors and you're creating your own sort of little story on your fingers yeah and then as you wave your hands around in conversation people are seeing that yeah and so my friend Mariah who I got the ring from who seems really cool. I would love to meet oh her. Oh my gosh, day. you will. You will you will love yes. her. Her and her shop is incredible. Everything that yeah, she sells is Yeah, because now it's wilder goods. Yeah, right? wilder goods. Yep. And it's amazing. And yeah, so she's still getting stuff from you now and then. And um she, And my sister's clogs. Too. I know. Oh my god. I'm like obsessed with your family. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> so she has these, you know, these rings that you make, this jewelry that you make. And it's interesting because I feel like she and I have really different aesthetics and like we're there's definitely a lot of crossover but especially when it comes to jewelry like she's very minimalist she likes really clean delicate small stuff and I really gravitate towards like big chunky statement pieces and I love that you've managed to create a line of jewelry that feeds both of those aesthetics and merges them at times I think you're really smart with that oh thank you yeah because I love like I was saying earlier stacking and like the idea of sets is like things will be complementary within my line so you so it's easy it's like yeah. you can pick things and you know that they go together and and that's really fun for me creating these like sets and options because everyone likes options absolutely and the other thing I wanted to mention is that um one thing that I'm always cognizant of when I think about what kind of an engagement or wedding ring I would want is does it fit in with the other jewelry that I wear? Because I wear jewelry yeah. all of the time. And I see women all the time who have these huge diamond sparklers that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they look so incongruous with everything yeah. else that they're wearing. And I, I, like, I would feel really uncomfortable if I had this gargantuan ring on my finger and then everything else like just didn't seem to make sense with it. Oh, yeah. And that's why there would be a ring for the day where you're just in your sweatpants going to the grocery store or your big sparklers when you're like ready to go out and like you can make it congruent. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I know what you're saying where it's like I couldn't imagine wearing something like that every day. Those big, crazy stacked, you know, the cathedral setting. The, yeah. And to me, it's not even so much about the size as just the sparkle of it. Like, I'm oh, yeah. not always down for sequins. Well, you just need to spend some more time. You need to just spend some more time gazing into them because I will tell you, I have had a complete change of heart in the last, like, probably year and a half. <laughs> I when used it... <laughs> to be like, didn't care about diamonds, could give, like, a shit, like, what they cost, what their story was. Um, but in like educating myself and getting ready for engagement work and just being around them, they are pretty hypnotizing. This is true. It's hard to ignore like the fact that it's from, here's what, here's what trips me up about diamonds and just leaves me in awe is that they are basically just a rock from under the earth, but then humans interact with it and we cut them to make them brilliant. That's what that uh, Mm. brilliant cut is when it is the disco ball. Yeah. Because a diamond from the earth is looks like chewed gum. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen them. I mean, and people are incorporating a lot of raw diamonds into their yeah. work now. And I like the juxtaposition of the two. I think that yeah. that's really smart. Me too. I just think it's crazy like that our civilization for a long time too knows how to cut 
these stones to make them like it's like a crazy math equation it really Faceting is. Is, a, is a lot different than lapidary yeah but the fact that we have the machinery to like cut diamonds really gets me it, i think it's so fascinating and i do feel myself going more diamond heavy these days because i think it interesting maybe it's just i'm getting a little older like i like nicer things like i want to come off a little more refined and I'm, you know, I'm proud of myself. I work hard. Like I, I do want sort of that sparkle, but mixed with the inlay is really me. Like the sets where you get weird, one of a kind, unique stones, but there's mm-hmm. a little glitter or stardust is what I've been calling it in my collection. Oh, I love that. Like it's a yeah. little stardusted and it just feels sophisticated, but it still feels fun and useful because there's also this other big turquoise mixed metal ring kind of in the set as well. Yeah, I think that's part of why I respond to your work so much, because I am such a chameleon and I don't feel like I'm, I feel very glitzy sometimes and sometimes I feel very subdued and very earthy. Oh, yeah. I really agree with what you're saying there. And I do have an appreciation for diamonds. I I think I, it's like mixed in with a lot of other emotions regarding like oh, the yeah. diamond industry oh, itself, yeah. obviously. Course. Um, but I only pay attention to jewelers who are using sustainable practices anyway. Yeah. And that's really hard now to find. I mean, all the options to jewelers are recycled gold, Kimberly certified diamonds. Like the mm. industry is, you know, and I'm new to it, so I don't want to go too, too much down this rabbit hole. But everything I'm able to buy is friendly. And it feels so nice because I'm sure it wasn't always like that. That is great. Yeah. Well, and it probably depends, too, on the level that you're at, right? Because, you know, Diamond Cartel and De Beers and, like, these huge corporations, like, they don't give a fuck. No, and the history of all that is really – I've been reading kind of some just, like, nonfiction about, like, De Beers. And it is – it's just fast. I mean, it's like they're explorers and it's like romantic and horrifying at the same time. Um, it really is. And they invented the diamond engagement ring. It yeah. was not like we did not have diamonds in yeah. our engagement rings prior to a De Beers ad campaign. I heard something recently and, you know, have your fact checker, you know, <laughs> find this out. But I'm pretty sure and I was reading this in the book that they said that diamonds are one of the second most common thing in the American household after televisions. What? Yeah. So the idea of like rare, beautiful diamonds, it, it's all it's all fabricated by man. Like the, the all the companies yeah. are setting all the prices. I don't want to go like too conspiracy about it, but um, <laughs> no, you're right though. But what's what's neat is that people have been bringing me their. Um, I have to call them stones. You know, when people bring me, you know, family diamonds. I'm not a I'm not a gemologist, so I don't actually know what they are. So I just refer to them as stones. But it's been really neat to take these pieces that have been in families and turn them into something more contemporary that they do want to wear instead of just having in a jewelry box. Yeah, that's what I would. I mean, I don't really have any heirloom jewelry, um, but if I did, that's exactly what I would do with it. Yeah, it's been really neat because it, it's valuable, and it would be. It's weird that it just sits in a box. Like, why not wear it? Why not be able to say, "Oh yeah, this was my grandmother's," but this yeah. is my taste currently with this turquoise extra edition and these mixed metals, and that's been really fun to do for people. Yeah, my personal favorite these days is the circlin ring. Oh yeah, I'm saying that right? Yeah, with the I I have such a soft spot for lapis, and the I mean I'm obviously the stones are all gonna be different in terms of what they look like, but the one that you have on your website it looks like a night sky with a huge star in the center, yeah. and it like makes me swoon. I know that one is so pretty. <laughs> I just made a ring like that for an engagement last week. It was really neat. It was like two art students. Oh, he proposed to her in front of an Ellsworth Kelly painting in a museum and then like sent me pictures and gosh, it's just like melts my heart. Like when I go to open my email in the morning and people are like, she said yes. And then like have pictures (laughs) for me. It just is like the best way to start my day. Do you feel like you get to be a part of their stories in a different way than you do with your other clients? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because I do a lot of wholesale I, I don't talk about it a lot. I'm like on Instagram, but I have accounts like all over the country and all over, you know, internationally as well. And it's very much different because I don't speak to the, I don't speak to anyone. I just produce a bunch and then it gets sent off. And then the stories are sort of mysterious, like where it ends up. Yeah. You know, like I would have no idea you had that 
Montana egg at Himawari unless you, you know, told me, but like <laughs> Mariah would know. And that would be a story between you two, but not yeah, me. And, totally. And when people come, when people email me and they're inquiring about engagement, um, I always ask like, who, you know, who is it for? Who's this, who's going to be wearing this? And people will write the most beautiful stories to me. Even on my website, when you order a ring, I say, tell me about who's going to wear this. Because mm-hmm. for a while it was feeling so much like, um, just one more thing I had to do, you know, mm-hmm. in work. A lot of times you're like, oh, you know, oh, it's one more order, one more thing. It just adds to my production list. And, and it's very much separated from like the human and the, you know, the love behind it. Oh, yeah. So I started asking people, tell me about who's going to wear this. And people have written me poems. They'll write me whole paragraphs about like the, mm-hmm. the uh, person's favorite color, their animal, like like what they're so good at. And, and it just is like this moment where I have to slow down and be like, whoa, like I'm part of their relationship now. Like I know about them. Intimate things. Mm. It's so sweet. Yeah. And you're contributing, you're contributing like a physical manifestation of their love for one another. Oh yeah. I can't even believe it. I mean, I'm so, I'm so hooked and addicted right now to the fact that my art represents love (laughs) yeah that's pretty intoxicating (laughs) after doing all that other work like you know creating briefcases and um maybe salad bowls and soap dishes it's like okay I am so over all of that because now what I do represents love for a lifetime and I just can't even get over it I feel like uh I love ceramics and when I was in the ceramics program it really resonated with me and I loved again this opportunity to be a part of people's daily lives, to contribute something that they were interacting with. There's something super intimate about your coffee cup that you drink out of in the morning. Oh, yeah. But when I discovered metalsmithing, it was like taking that to a new level. Like it felt like I think we just put so much more um, intention into into a talisman like that, into a necklace or a ring than we do into a coffee cup. It's got to be the proximity to it. I think like yeah. every day where every day you wake up and you see it or every day you either you put it on again, you yeah. choose it again and you add it to your body and then you go out yeah. into the world with it. You're not carrying that coffee cup around with you all day. You're having a really wonderful, intimate, you know, 20 minutes with it in the morning. Yeah. But then you're setting it back in its cupboard where it lives happily exactly. for most of the day. <laughs> Whereas exactly. with this ring, it's becoming a piece of you. It becomes a piece of your identity and it can end up representing something that's really deep and meaningful to you. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible. And even when you're done wearing it, like, say, I'm not not with your ring in particular, but I know jewelry I've had in the past, it's always going to be mine because it's like little time cap. Like, my jewelry box is this time capsule of, like, my taste, sort of. And also remembering, like, you know, now that we have photos of every day of our lives for the past, like, 10 years – I remember that ring on my hand, you know, 10 years ago, and I'm seeing it when I look back through my photos, and I like that I still have the ring. Um, it's, it is like a little time capsule. I remember when I was a little kid, my, like, looking through my grandmother's jewelry box was, like, I could do it for hours. Yeah, me too. That's a special, special time. Yeah, because it's like treasure. Yes, Absolutely. But it's treasure that says something about somebody specific that you really love. Oh, yeah. And especially like, um, you know, um, I don't know about your grandma's, but mine was like big costume jewelry that my mom had of my grandma. It was wild stuff. Like I couldn't even imagine people wearing it. Yeah. My grandmother's really young. My grandmother is, um, let's see, what year are we in? I guess she's 67. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, all of the women in my family, myself excluded, had children <laughs> by the age of 20. So, oh, wow. Um, I know. I When I hit 21, I was like, yes, I've passed the threshold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, when I was a kid, my grandma, I guess she must have you know, been in her like 40s. And her jewelry box is pretty contemporary. This is like the 90s, like late 90s. Oh, yeah. Is what I'm conjuring in my mind. And like, I remember she was dating a Native American man and she had like a bunch of really beautiful Native American jewelry and beaded stuff and turquoise and she's a politician, but she's like, you know, super liberal and very earthy and her style at that point, there was like, I remember specifically there was these silver um, stud earrings that were like huge planet Earths. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So like that was the kind of stuff that she had. That's so cool. I know because it can be... 
so different. There's so much jewelry. There's so much out there to choose from. It's why it is so personal when you do choose it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have just unlimited amounts of things to choose from. From yes. costume, thrift store jewelry, all the way up to fine jewelry or heirloom jewelry. But you only can wear so much. I'm curious how you discovered this like Himiwari technique with the cutting into... Because I, I mean, based on my knowledge, it's like you cast the rings and then you go in with your saw and your filing and sawing those lines? Well, no, no casting. Oh, really? Everything I do is hand fabricated. Um, well, with... Okay, little asterisk because as Young of the Mountain says grown like crazy in the last um year Mm -hmm. i do cast certain shapes that are in sterling silver just to save my hands and my elbows because if you've ever used a jeweler saw you know it's a lot of like monotonous work it Um, really is so that but the himawari that you're wearing is all hand fabricated from sheets and wires wow and that was what was crazy is is building those little caps and uh, the story of that was that my boyfriend um his name is chris um my fiance now he got me a ring from um, a store in Boulder that was by like a, some Zuni craftsman. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it, so I returned <laughs> it. But it had this beautiful like carved edge detail. And it, of course, it wasn't the same as what I'm doing, but it was the technique that I could see. I think that's, I'm sure you have it too. Like if you're the, you know, hummingbird from medium to medium, I think mm-hmm. what you need for that is the ability to know how something's made by looking at it. Yeah. And I've always had that. That's where I saw the technique of um, carving the edge. Um, And then I just took it my own way, like my own style. So all the Himawari rings are still hand carved on the edges, but the cap piece is cast now because of the time it saves me. Yeah, totally. I guess that's why I assumed it was cast because I was like, there's no way that her poor hands could handle the amount of volume she's putting out if she's hand fabricating all of these. (laughs) Oh, I know. And what's unique about my work I guess is the mixed metal the the 14 karat gold and sterling silver because mm-hmm. that can never be cast yeah it's just not possible so anything that's mixed metal I'm still hand fabricating completely from scratch with no assistant like I don't have anyone else working for me so wow it is a it is an abundance of work but I have always been like really prolific in the amount that I like doing I was just thinking earlier when you were talking about like that soulful that relationship that you're having with the people that are ordering these engagement rings from you and how when you monetize your craft, when you monetize your creativity, it can be really hard sometimes to inject that soul back into the equation. Oh, yeah. At least for me, like I hit a breaking point a lot of the time where I start to resent the work that I'm making because I feel like it's just like I'm becoming a robot, even though I know it's my hands making it. Yeah. I just I hit a breaking point and yep. I think you're really smart in in that realization where you were like, okay, I need to inject some soul back into this mix and like ask people to connect with me in their inquiries so that I can... I need them to help remind me like what I am actually doing because it's, it is so easy to just go nine to five kind of like robot, artist, robot. Yeah. And that is not the goal. And that is not what's so special about like these paths that we've chosen. And I feel so grateful because I do have um, like my dad is an artist as well. And he has been his whole life. So I get this like awesome support system where I can call him and he can hear it. He's like, you got to slow down. Like you can't burn out. You know, like the muse will leave you. Like you have to know the you know, your well can dry up. Don't let that happen. I love that. And so having those little check-ins is so helpful because it's true it's like you know you're used to being creative and really prolific every day but it is not guaranteed yeah that tomorrow you will have good ideas yeah it's true have you read big magic by elizabeth gilbert i i highly recommend it yeah big magic big magic yeah it's all about creative living uh without fear but her whole ethos about creativity and our relationship to it and our relationship to inspiration is so unique and and there's a lot in there about like just you know 
inspiration strikes and when it's not striking like you just have to keep powering through or you have you know like there's she talks about all these different tools to get it back or there's this one part where she talks about like dressing up for it yeah Um, because she's a writer and you know it's really easy when you're working from home like that to just like never change out your sweatpants which I'm totally guilty of sometimes when I'm doing all the like editing and computer work and then you hit two o'clock and even though you've done a lot you feel like just a total piece of shit yeah and you might not have talked out loud all day and like exactly you're still like wearing what you woke up in and yeah. I've, I've been there and I have had to solve those problems too by like exactly like getting ready for it or dressing up for it and the way she describes it is like um if you're a creativity like would you want to hang out with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny. like I'm just sitting so here true. like this nasty mess on the couch who like hasn't said a word to anyone but my dog all day <laughs> yeah. and like hasn't brushed yep. my teeth and like that's so funny yeah you're right they would not want to hang out with you yeah <laughs> that's so funny I put lipstick on yeah. and I'll wear my sister so she makes clogs but they're they're pretty tall like they have a high heel and I'm not oh yeah I, maybe I think I'm, I'm tall already, so it's like extra tall, which I don't <laughs> usually go out and I don't wear them that often. But if I wear them around my house or I'll wear them to my art studio and I'm like, I'm a boss lady. And it's like I feel it's so different. It's so true. Like lipstick, like yeah. they're not high heels. They're like high clogs. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm a I'm like a I'm a badass boss lady. Yeah. Like take care of business. And it's a totally different mindset than the way I roll sometimes. Yeah. No, it's it's important. I to me sometimes it's like putting on battle armor. Like Yep. For the day or the night or just to feel important and beautiful and and special again. And sometimes all it takes is a swipe of red lipstick and a high pair of clogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like having a separate space outside of the house is also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had both on and off, like um, worked from home and also had spaces outside. And I always feel the best when my space is outside of my home because I can then come home and appreciate the separation because when you are your own boss, it's pretty nonstop. Yeah, it's hard. It's 24-7, and that is basically the recipe for burnout. Mm-hmm. So having the separate space is really important. And I think like, you, like you, you know, getting dressed up to go to work or getting ready to go, you know, do what you would do for free anyway, this creative life. Like I would do it if no one paid me. Yeah. But it is what I get paid for. So I do treat it like work. Like I say, I'm going to the office. Like I have a work bag. It feels good. makes me feel professional. Um, And I think as I'm getting older, I want that desperately because for so long, people weren't sure if it was like, oh, you do jewelry as a hobby. Because sometimes when you say, oh, you know, I'm a jeweler, I make jewelry. That can mean a million different things. Yeah. And these days when I tell people I'm a jeweler, I want them to know that like, I make diamond engagement rings. This is my career. Yeah, you take yourself seriously. Yeah, this is going to be my career for, you know, the foreseeable future. And all of that needs to sort of come across without me saying it. Yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. I relish the future opportunity to have an office space at this current juncture. It's not an option for me, but... But oh, yeah. I need that. And it's hard, especially with, you know, having a partner that I live with to not have that separation because, you know, mm-hmm. if he comes home and then I'm still on the computer or still working, like it's hard for me to turn that off when there's no physical separation between work and life. Oh, oh, uh, me too. I But that's but that's what's amazing about like a relationship where that's understood. Yeah, true. That's so special because if um, like my my boyfriend, my partner, I never know what to call him that. Now he's my fiance, but I hate that word. So I just keep <laughs> saying boyfriend. Um, he, you know, he's in the other room working right now. Like we do share our home space as work also mm-hmm. because it's like a beautiful space and it's more beautiful than each of our offices. So we end up working here a lot, but we work together and we help each other. And he's my like business partner. And I, it's all behind the scenes, but I, Young in the Mountains would like never be what it is without, you know, him on the couch next to me on the computer. Well, that's a perfect segue for me to ask about your recent engagement, because when I tried to set up the interview with you in January, you had just gotten back from a weekend vacation and he had proposed like, yeah, that, like right when I contacted you. 
Yeah, I remember being like, yeah, perfect timing. I have more to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, yeah, how are things coming with that? Do you have, have you set a date or are you guys kind of just taking it as it comes? Um, we're taking it easy because uh, myself, like you, and I've been listening to all the podcasts, so I, I know I know how you feel and I was very similar in the way that like I thought I wouldn't I wouldn't need it I wouldn't want it and Mm -hmm. him too like we used to talk we talked about a lot about how I wasn't like begging to get engaged I guess but once it happened I feel so happy and I feel like my perspective has changed where now in the past where I might have said um there's no such thing as forever and you know all the things that one could say about why marriage won't work yeah now I've got this new attitude where I'm like you know what I'm good at everything. Why wouldn't I be good at this too? And it makes me feel, I feel like, like that was not my voice, like even six months ago, but now I'm like, why not? Maybe I will be really good. Like maybe I'm going to be the best at this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? I just had never thought about it like that before. And I feel really happy. And listening to your podcast has actually been really helpful because I'm like, it is how other people have done it, which is nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the visual side of things, like, I don't need. I already know. I have my own taste and Mm -hmm. aesthetic, and that's just part of being an artist. But the conversations about it are nice to listen to on on Avowed. I've been listening to the podcast every day um, when I drive into the – I drive in from Marin to San Francisco to go to a diamond setter where he helps me with, like, some of the French pavé-style settings. Mm -hmm. And it's um, like a 45 minute drive, which is exactly like the podcast. It's perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah. No, it's like I save them until I have to take that trip into the city. That's awesome. But yeah, it's been, we think we're going to choose Ghost Ranch, which is the place that I was talking about earlier where I, you know, learned lapidary and have all these connections. Um, So that would probably be the venue. Oh, that would be amazing. And that's about it. And we have gotten drunk a few nights and had conversations with no computers (laughs) around about like what we envisioned. Yeah, that's smart. Oh, it's been so fun because you have to actually like talk and explain what you're thinking instead of just point pointing to a computer. Yeah. Or like sketch it out. Oh yeah. We had, I have these sketches where we had probably went through we had went through some wine and we decided that um this was this is him talking he's like I don't want people to just be sitting in rows looking at the backs of other people's heads <laughs> he's like I want people to be like and like then we're drawing and he's like I want them to be like in an octagon and he's like sketching <laughs> out like how all the chairs would be set up and I'm like no no, no how about a rainbow <laughs> and so there's this piece of paper with like octagons and rainbows oh on my god it. I love it and you have to save that because that's like an important piece of this experience. It was just our random idea of like, let's make sure people don't look at the back of other people's heads. Yeah, that's hilarious. And I mean, it was so funny. I'm on board with that entirely. There's something, I don't know, about the ceremony that I think needs adjustment because it feels very oh, yeah. um, like like you're on a stage and there's an audience and there's this separation. Oh, yeah. We've got some weird ideas. Like family has to be like, completely like visible also so you know who's hmm. like related to who but it's not a sides thing or like we're we're weirdos so it will be it will be a really interesting um presentation I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to think god I'm trying to think of what this word is and it's like you know from my days in art history and also in Italy I should remember but like the stadium seating you know with the um like in an amphitheater kind of yes thank is you a, an yeah. amphitheater I feel like that's the way to, right? Because yeah. then you've got like the Stadium rainbow seating. like s- circle around you. Oh, I'm so happy because there is, there's this place at Ghost Ranch where there's a fire pit and there's like stadium benches set up and in, built into oh like. Oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. I don't know if it will hold enough people, but it will still be cool for like later in the evening. Like the space there is just so pretty and the weddings I've been to in the past and have noticed when nobody knows where to sit they all sit as far away from the bride and groom as they possibly can because no one wants to sit in the front row because they think they're not invited to sit there. And I've been to so many weddings where there's like empty front rows awkward during the ceremony. And I just was like, oh, my God, I can't believe like they need to be filled in. Like, where are all the people? (laughs) 
So we're going to figure out how to avoid that. I love that this is one of the first conversations that you're having. It's like, where are people going to sit during the ceremony? It feels like, you know, so specific to you, to the two of you that you're having this conversation. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone else like really nitpicking this part of it. And I love it. That's the part for some reason. That was the first thing that came up. (laughs) It's like, let's make sure that everyone like sits cool or has like a nice view of us or... Or maybe we all have a nice view of each other, so everyone's making eye contact with everybody. I love that. How many people do you think you'll have? Oh, I have no idea. I did try to make a a guest list, and it just, it gets, I can't even talk about that. That seems so hard. I'm going to worry about that later. I'm going to worry about that later. I think we're going to probably get married in the spring, because with my job, uh, Christmas starts in um, September, Mm, so I'm basically like... a freak September, October, November, just getting ready mm-hmm. um, and filling wholesale orders. And, you know, in my dreams, it would be a fall wedding. I just don't want to overstress myself out. So I think we've decided spring will be nice. Yeah, it will be. And I think spring is a very underutilized season for weddings as well. Yeah. And spring in the high desert could be really cool. That's like true. it could be snowing, but I think Make that, well, you know, he's from Colorado. I'm from Montana. Yeah, like, you can take it. People will get it. Yeah, we can handle that. <laughs> So I want to ask you about your family. You've brought them up a couple of times and I'm obviously familiar with your sister's clogs. And yeah, I, I mean, most of what I know about your family is from your bio on your website, which by the way, reads like poetry. It's so beautiful. Oh, and thanks. you, I wrote yeah, that. it's gorgeous. And I feel like I have such a clear sense of like this really artistic family of sisters and their dad who's a boat builder. And I just, I want to hear about what your experience was like growing up. It was pretty awesome. It was, so I grew up in Missoula, um, just over the mountains from Bozeman, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, more lush. That's the difference I always see. It's like more water. This is true. Wouldn't you say, than Bozeman? Like more rivers. Yeah, Bozeman's drier. We've got the big lake, uh, Flathead Lake, um, Mm -hmm. just like a couple hours north. But I had, so my parents are divorced, and I have my biological dad. um, He's a boat builder, and he's been a musical instrument maker. He's got so many crazy stories about like he built a guitar when he was like 14 and then traded it for a boat, like weird <laughs> stuff like that. And then he started building boats. And so he's done musical instruments and over a hundred drift boats. Um, wow. And so he worked from home when I was growing up. My mom was a nurse and then my dad worked at home in this barn. So he wasn't like a stay at home dad, but he was definitely like on the property. And so then I was, you know, my sister and I were always in the shop building and playing with things too. So I've always been around tools. When I was in high school, he helped me. He basically like left me alone with his bandsaw and would be like, <laughs> you know, here's just like how to not. He used to say, this is, the, this is the opposite of a joke. This is not the time for laughing or having fun. This yeah. is like, don't mess this up. Don't and then I would up. be able to be alone with a bandsaw and cut wood in all these different shapes. And I am so like, I'll have to send you a picture of what these were because I cannot believe I still have all 10 fingers. So yeah, making stuff always from an early age and then always selling it to like, I guess we always talked about money and how, you know, I was seeing him sell his artwork for money and we'd always celebrated a lot whenever there was a sale. So that was, those are like early memories of like, he would sell a boat and then we would go out to dinner and like, we'd get to go to the mall and, and it was always really exciting. Um, but then my sister, who has the clog company, she's actually, she's a stepsister, but uh, our families have been united since I was like eight. Um, so I have a big, big family, but a lot of it is because it's through a marriage. And they're all very creative and we're very close. And everybody lives in Missoula now, still, except me. So that's kind of been hard just to be away. But I just think the economy of living in a city and the creativity that like uh, there's like this fire under your ass at all times because you have to compete with a million other people is good for me. That's true. I moved to go to art school from Montana right when I was like 20 moved here. But then we live up in um, Marin County now because it's the most like mountainous. You know, it's like living in a small mountain town. It's crazy. When Patrick and I were there that day that we we took a drive 
up that road that you had told us about with all those houses in the Redwood Forest? Yeah, the wizard houses. It's insane. <laughs> I know. Like, I wish you could have seen us in the car. It was like our minds yeah. were literally blown. And I felt like we were kids at a candy store. I wish you were here now because I know this wizard house that's for sale. And it's oh, so gosh. run down that the door is unlocked and you can go oh. snooping. Oh my god. It's like a wizard 70s drug den what? with a glass roof and oh. a palm tree inside and like a fireplace where you could roast a whole pig. And you just know that it's so many millions of dollars. <laughs> oh no, it's it's $800,000 and they're probably going to tear it down what? because termites are eating it. Oh, yeah, if only I but- had $800,000. <laughs> I know. I, or you could fly here and we could like have a seance. It's so spooky. Just go snoop <laughs> and have a seance. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I've been taking people there. I hope I hope the, the realtor won't be listening to this podcast. I highly doubt it. <laughs> but I've been taking people there because it's like unbelievable. And you never get to go in those houses. I know. I actually afterwards, I looked on Airbnb because I was like, some of these houses have to be on yeah. Airbnb and I just want to see inside. And some of them were. And it was crazy too because I remember one specific specifically it was like this young couple who you know were probably in their like mid-20s with this crazy house and I was just like that's Silicon Valley for you like this guy probably made like an inordinate amount of money on an app and then bought this crazy wizard house in the Redwood Forest and then he just rents it out on Airbnb most of the time and the photos were like professional photos of them oh my god that were like I mean they might have been out of like June bug weddings or something like you should um you should snoop on Zillow that's what I've been loving doing is like looking at houses for sale that of course I could never in a million years afford but you get basically home tours oh so beautiful (laughs) yeah I couldn't believe it it was it's a preposterous area and I was like how have I never heard of this place like it just seems like magic and then Patrick was looking it up online and he was like oh there's been a lot of movies that were filmed here and I was like yeah there has to be because it it lends itself so well to like a spooky mystery movie or something. Oh yeah, and there's like a cool history of the town Mill Valley too. A lot of the like the people from Grateful Dead lived like oh, back in the, you know, back in the day. Like mm-hmm. they would be over here, not in the city. This is where it was more country. Like all these little towns up in Marin um, and Sonoma. Yeah, you can tell with all of those houses that they were built by like hippies in the 60s. hippie wizards. Yeah, hippie wizards in the 60s and 70s. Like when. Like San Francisco was more expensive than the outlying areas. Yeah. And so they bought this land in the Redwood Forest, built these really, yep. really weird houses on stilts with bridge and, and stained glass windows and yeah, stilts. And there's like creeks everywhere. It is like a dreamland, but it's a whole nother world. I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was in like a in um, Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah. Oh, I know there's Ma. It's so different than Montana, too, because there are there's ivy wrapping up every tree. Yeah. And it's like that year round. There's purple flowers in December. There's so like cool. it's always like soft and green and lush. And it's 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 so I've been in California for almost 10 years. So it is I, when I go back to Montana, like my skin dries up. Like I feel it. It's so arid. Oh, yeah. It's so dry here. <laughs> yeah. I well, So I lived in Olympia, Washington. Okay. So that's like that's like the rainforest, too. So yeah, exactly. It's like I whenever I was hanging out in the woods, I felt like I was in Jurassic Park or something. Yeah. Or like the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this prehistoric jungle. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's so hard to decide where to live. Like I would oh, live here forever if it was remotely possible but (laughs) there's a move on our horizon really do you think you're going to move to the desert um maybe it could be back to Colorado we're not quite sure but I I am excited because it means that there will be more room for growth for young in the mountains just with Mm. less overhead yeah because it's expensive to be there it's really expensive to be here in Marin and um I mean I love it to death but it would be neat to have a little less overhead to get a little more weird Totally, yeah. You know, everything has to be very strict and I have to be very in control of what's happening because I'm responsible for a lot every month. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for misstep or experimentation. Yeah, and it would be really nice to, yeah, to get a little weirder, experiment a little bit more. And I think um, when we move to purchase, we'll probably be buying a house somewhere else. Like that will, it will allow that sort of um, new... I don't know, new like wave of creativity. 
or like new experiments or and even if the creativity def- isn't necessarily like in the product I'm making it will be in the business I'm running um, and I look forward to that as much as I will miss those redwood trees I look forward to like that creative growth in young in the mountains oh it's been so lovely talking to you like even better than I could have imagined yeah okay my a quote of mine that I'll leave you with is that I think you'll like and it, I think it wraps everything up is that you become what you give your attentions to. Yes, it's very true. And you got to be careful because you can definitely spend a lot of time in really bad, you know, corners of, you know, things and, and you'll just only get closer to them. Thank you for listening and supporting the Avowed Podcast. I am happy to say that there is a blog post waiting for you over at jasminerlily.com with corresponding photographs from today's episode and, of course, links to Mariel's stunning work. Now, go forth and give your attentions to something meaningful.